You're listening to 5FM Extra Loud Mornings. Wake up. 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. 5FM. As we do every Sunday, we like to help you help yourself. It's called self-care sessions. We have already touched on female reproductive health in the past and we thought it's only fair that we focus on the guys for a change so if this is a conversation that you think is not suitable for the young ears around you this is your heads up everything is going to be discussed with a doctor Um, it is the right terminology so it is not a conversation that I think should be offensive to anyone but like I said uh, some people have particular views on these things and they maybe haven't had the conversation so uh, we're putting that in your hands but we are going ahead So if you need to change and come back to us in a few, please feel free. Doc, the only reason I had to say that was because we got so much kickback when we did female reproductive health, which I thought was (laughs) so crazy because this is our bodies, right? And our bodies are not taboo and our bodies are natural things and we've got to know how they work. And if you haven't had the conversation with your kids or you have they haven't had it at school, like this is a good platform to learn, but you know, we need to just keep everyone informed here. So let me just introduce you formally. Um, I'm joined by Dr. Jere Safontine, who's uh, involved with sexual health. Well, she's a sexual health doctor and the head of my sexual health in Pretoria. Thanks so much for, for your time. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Um, Dr. Safontine, uh, I suppose let's maybe start with something that we've actually seen adverts for on, on TV uh, regarding uh, male reproductive health. Uh, erectile dysfunction, penile dysfunction. Is that is that something that's super common? Erectile dysfunction specifically is a very, very common condition that we see. And most guys um, think it's something that's going to happen the older they get. But mm. I even see erectile dysfunction in 20-year-olds. Oh, wow. um, obviously, the older you get, the um, incidence of erectile dysfunction increases. But it is something that's very common and it can definitely across you, uh, um, affect you across your whole lifespan. Is it, is it a physiological thing or psychological So, to be very academic, we know that 80% of guys with erectile dysfunction have an underlying medical condition um, leading up to it. Mm. Um, So, 50% of cases, it's a mixed condition where it's a medical reason combined with psychological things. Mm. But most of my patients that I see, there's definitely a medical thing um, involved. But the one thing I always mention is that even if it's a purely medical problem, it becomes a psychological thing. So Uh. the first time you struggle to get an erection, the next time you are so worried, will it work? Am I going to fail my partner? So then it becomes a performance anxiety. But Mm. most of the times, there's definitely an underlying medical reason leading up to it. Sure. And I mean, it makes sense, and I don't want to generalize um, the, the males, but it's it's a big part of being a, a guy, a big part of being a man. So I can, I suppose, understand how it could manifest into something that is psychological and tied to, um, yeah, like you said, performance anxiety, if you will. Um, Doc, something else that I, I, I find very interesting is the the STDs that males carry but females will end up having the um, the symptoms. And the one that I've become aware of more recently, and I suppose it's because there was a news story about it regarding um, some, a TV presenter and some other people, um, I want to say HPV leading to cancer, yeah. but males carry it, but they have it in the field. Like, how does that whole thing work? 
Okay. So, um, HPV is human papilloma virus, for those that didn't know what it is. And it's the most common sexually transmitted virus that we see internationally. Um, eight, eight out of 10 people will have HPV somewhere in their lives. And not everyone with the virus will show symptoms. So, the symptoms are screened for or the, the disease process is screened for in ladies and that's why we pick it up. So we get different types of HPV viruses and some can cause genital warts and some can be totally asymptomatic and some can cause abnormal pap smears that leads up to cervical cancer. Mm. So for women, we do pap smears and then we pick it up and there's no way of really testing or screening guys for it. So that's where the whole thought came along that maybe the guys are the carriers. And it is true that they can have the virus, but they can also show symptoms depending on the type of virus that they get. Some of the virus strains cause genital warts and guys can also be affected by that and develop warts. But because the screening process that's in place for ladies, that's where we just pick up the disease process much earlier. So there's no like there's no equivalent male equivalent to a pap smear, like doing a, a No, sample. unfortunately not. Oh. Yeah. That so what so one unfair. can do theoretically is you can take a swab over the whole genital area and that, then you can test for HPV. Mm. But it's not localized to one site specifically. So if you swap, swap the whole genitals going mm-hmm. from the tip of the penis all the way to the anus, um, then you get a positive HPV test. We don't know how to deal with that. But for ladies, if there's an HPV test um, that's positive on the pap smear, we know we need to repeat the pap smear more frequently. And if the cells on the cervix are abnormal for ladies, then we do procedures to remove those abnormal cells to prevent cervical cancer. Mm. And there's nothing like that in place for guys. So theoretically, you can test, but the main thing is we need to react on that and respond to that, and we don't know how to deal with that in guys. So unfortunately... Most guys um, with HPV will not have any symptoms and they won't know about it. Well, fortunately for them, unfortunate for their, for their partners because there's no way of knowing yeah. until you have it. Um, I suppose the, the, I want to say the, the next logical question is what STDs are males most vulnerable to whether or not they use a condom? I was blown away finding out that you can actually still get certain STDs even though you use protection. There's only some that are that are, are uh, transferred um, use, with fluids, but there's other STDs that it doesn't yeah. matter if you have a condom or not. You can still get it. So which ones are, are, yeah, male, so are ma- men more vulnerable to? So it's, there's not a specific STI that's more frequent in guys compared to ladies. Okay. Um, so STIs affect the whole population across the board. But as you mentioned, some STIs you can still contract even by using condoms because it's direct skin-to-skin contact. Mm. And the thing there is HPV, which we discussed now. Uh, Syphilis can be a skin-to-skin contact. And then the other one that's quite a concern is genital herpes. And what we tend to forget about herpes is people are having oral sex. And type 1 herpes that we in the past thought it's only, um, it will only affect the oral, um, oral region and only result in fever blisters can be transmitted through oral sex to the genital area. Oh, wow. So then you can get genital herpes and most people, they think with oral sex, they're not going to use condoms because it's a safer practice mm. and they can still get herpes like that.
Yeah, so it's safer for pregnancy avoidance, but not for yeah. STIs. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, these are the conversations that I think more, more young people need to have that haven't had these conversations at school or learned it from a textbook or something. Because where else are you going to know this? How else are you going to find out well, unless, you know, someone tells interesting, you? Interesting enough, most of my patients that come in for routine STI screenings are the younger population because it's something that they talk about. It's something uh, the younger generation is they're more comfortable talking about sex and sexuality. So it's the older people that are the problem. It's the older people. And then there's people that their partner passed away or they went through a divorce and they started dating again. And then we see a lot of STIs there because they are brought up in a very conservative background. They're older, so they're not comfortable talking about sexuality. So. And they think they're 80, for instance, in an old age home and they can't get syphilis and they can still get syphilis. So that's something that really affects everyone, regardless of your age. Sorry, you lost me at the old age home. Dr. Jure, are you serious? Is this something that really happens? <laughs> unfortunately, yes. It, well, fortunate for the older people that they're still sexually active. But yeah. unfortunately, yes, you can With still get sexual <gasps> transmitted infections. Um, so there was a question here regarding um, relationships. Uh, says, Morning 5FM, I would like to ask the doctor, self-stimulation, i.e. masturbation, would affect my relationship? So that's a very interesting question because there's not a clear answer on that. It depends on what your relationship is, what everyone's comfortable with. Masturbation is not um, anything to be ashamed of. It's not abnormal. It's perfectly normal behavior. And self-love is very important. But um, if masturbation becomes an obsession or it starts to have an influence on your day-to-day life and results in um, sexual avoidance with your partner, then obviously it's a problem. The one thing that I often see is that for men with excessive masturbation, it's very difficult to simulate that type of stimulation with your partner. Mm. So then they struggle to ejaculate or they struggle to get to or orgasm because this stimulation is different. So it's not wrong to masturbate, but it's important to communicate with your partner and see what everyone's comfortable with, if how, that answers the question. It does, but how much is excessive? Like how much is too much? So there's no clear answer on that. So the um, I can't tell guys that, listen, it's wrong to masturbate three times a day or it's abnormal to masturbate once a week or the normal is once a month. There's no clear answer on that. But it's about if it has an effect on your day-to-day life. So for some guys, they are, they've got excessive masturbation in the sense that they have to masturbate a few times a day and even at work where it might be inappropriate. So mm. if you can't control the behavior, then we are worried about sexual addiction or excessive masturbation. And uh, then it's important to see a, psych- um, um, a psychologist or to deal with that behavior. But the act of masturbation is not abnormal. And like I said, unfortunately, I can't give you a clear answer about the frequency, but it's about how it fits in with your day-to-day life. Mm. Okay, perfect. Um, let's get to the voice notes now. Here's our first one. If a person has um, had herpes, um, does it mean that they won't have a normal sex life again? Um, and where would be the best place to um, 
find out more information about her abuse. I don't know if you heard that because the radio was on in the background. Yeah, so I just heard herpes, will sex life be better or normal again normal, or something yeah. like that? Yes. Okay. So um, sex life can be normal after herpes. Um, it could be very difficult to deal with the diagnosis of herpes, firstly because it is a lifelong condition. There's no cure for herpes, and some people get repeated outbreaks um once a month, um, especially amongst ladies around the time of their menstrual cycle. Um, the first episode of herpes is often the worst, where it continues, all the symptoms continues for the longest duration of time, and the pain is mostly um, the, the worst around. And the symptoms are getting a bit more subdued, and it's not as all your diagnosis with a partner, um, especially if it's a committed relationship. If you have a one-up stand, I, yeah, it's got to be quite difficult to tell, one, tell someone, listen, all on a sec, I've got herpes. The idea is to follow healthy um, principles and safe sex. And in that way, you can minimize the risks. The scary thing about herpes is that you can still transmit the virus if you don't have an outbreak. So if there's no blisters or no ulcers, we get something we call asymptomatic shedding, mm. where the virus is shed on the skin even if, if you don't show the symptoms. And that could be difficult to deal with psychologically because you've got this fear that you're going to transmit the virus unknowingly. But with counseling and with right treatment, um, you can have a normal life. And yeah, most of my patients, they they deal with it and they get back to it. Um, I don't know if that answers all the questions. I, did I miss something there? Uh, how do I find out more information? Oh, how there's um, on the My Sexual Health website there's blogs available on a lot of STI information on our um, Instagram posts on the um, Facebook pages we share information on um, a lot of sexual health topics and um, herpes is covered there but um, yeah there's a lot of online um, networks on Instagram specifically there's um, I can't remember the name of the group but it's basically a support group that just focus on information on herpes so there's a lot of platforms available where you can get information but like I said the whole my sexual health team is well equipped to help with that if there's uh, if there's the need perfect all right um, I think this is more than likely going to be the last question that we we play out Good morning, team. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, I'm just here to ask. Uh, I'd like to stay anonymous. So my question is based on sexual booster pills. Uh, how dangerous are they for my sexual health? Because sometimes I have weak reactions, so I gotta get some boosters. But I'm just asking, how dangerous are they? Okay. And if there's a solution, what it can be to help with my weak erectile problem. Okay. I th- did you hear that one, Doc? Uh, so it's about sexual boosters and how safe um, are they? Yes. And I suppose if there's an alternative. So the main thing is just firstly what what you, we need, um, what we mean with the sexual boosters. So if it's um, about sexual desire or libido, 
it's for guys it's mostly focused on testosterone levels so the last thing i want to advise is to start getting testosterone or uh, testosterone or steroid injections or supplements without um, the care of a doctor. Mm. Um, if you struggle struggling with a low libido, you need to look at your testosterone levels, and if it's abnormally low, then only will we start supplementing that. It's definitely not safe just to start with steroids or testosterone boosters um, or testosterone supplements if your testosterone levels are within normal limits. The other thing is that a lot of guys start using over-the-counter medications to boost the um, performance with the erections. And the concern I have with that is we don't always know exactly what the active ingredients are in that. It's not tried and tested. Mm. So there's safe medication to assist with erections. Mm -hmm. It's called PDF5 inhibitors. And what that does is it opens the blood vessels um, and there's more blood going into the penis, and then you've got stronger erections. Now, the medications or the tablets that you can get over the counter has got the same ingredients, but it's not as as clear as, um, what's the terminology that I'm looking for? It's not well-researched, so we don't know, is it the pure form of the drug and what other gunk they put in there? So then I don't think it's a safe option, but there's prescribed medications that can definitely help um, increase or improve your performance. And is this something that you can go to your GP for? Yes, definitely. So you don't have to um, look for the sex doctor <laughs> to talk about erectile dysfunction. Any GP or any doctor can assist you with that. It's just important to raise the questions and raise your concerns and start the conversation. Mm. And that's most often the difficult part. Because it's not taboo and it's not it's it's so much more prevalent than I think people realize that it's it's so common that it's not this like weird thing that they oh no gosh we can't there's medication for it there's there's processes to to find out what what is causing the issue and this is what doctors train for man this is what doctors train for yeah, to help us with our bodies yeah yeah and, and the way the way that I like to think about uh, when it comes to knowing knowing your body like if you have a car you want to know how the car works this body of yours needs to last you your whole life. And sexual reproductive health is part of your body. It's part of your eye health. It's like your diet, all of it. It's all part of the same vehicle that you're going to be driving for the rest of your life. So know how it works. Know what you need to do to take care of it. And just make sure that you see the right people. You wouldn't go to the side of the the road to have some random person who's got a flyer to now like (laughs) fix your your, your, top of the range vehicle. No, this thing needs to last me. I'm going to go to the people that have the experience and have done the things. Sure. Uh, Doc, I think there's there's definitely a need for people to get information. And um, I've had a few queries, people asking for your particular or, or specific contact details. Is there a way that people can get in touch with you, maybe for consults online um, or that type of thing, or a resource that they can go to to find other doctors in their area or, or just information? So the easiest would be... Um to look at the My Sexual Health website. So it's www.mysexualhealth.co.za and all the sexual health doctors are listed there, all the psychologists, the pelvic floor physiotherapists are there. Mm. So all your sexual health needs you'll get there and um, we've got doctors across the country and we've got um, people definitely available that can help you with any sexual health problem that you might have. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I think this has been 
I mean, I've learned a lot. This has been very educational. Um, joined by Dr. Jure Sarfontine, sexual health doctor and head of My Sexual Health Pretoria. Thank you so much for your time and um, for imparting such valuable knowledge to our listeners. I think it's been great. Thank you. I love it. Thanks. You're listening to 5FM Extra Loud Mornings. Wake it up. 7am to 10am. 5FM.